Well, welcome to a game day edition of Waking the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks to kick off what could be another banner week of soccer in this country. Tonight, MLS is back in Canada with a series of inter-Canadian matchups stretching into September. The Canadian Premier League Island games are off and running in Prince Edward Island and Canadian players continue to make headlines in top European competitions. My name is Mitchell Tierney and we're glad you could all join us today, whether that be in the live Zoom audience, on Facebook, or wherever you're watching or listening to the show today. Aaron Papernick, host of Canada FC, is our guest this week, and we'll join the show shortly. But first, my co-host, Michael Singh, Jeff Nasker. Looks like it's a V-neck week this week on uh, <laughs> Waking the Red <laughs> Weekly. Uh, excuse, going, guys? Me. excuse me, this is a crossover caller. Ah, uh, 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 yes, yeah. right. Exactly. No, I went, I went straight V-neck. It's, it's game day, man. I'm pumped. I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I mean, last week we were literally talking about all this in the, in the hypothetical, right? We were like, what's going to happen with uh, MLS's back and with the Canadian teams? And then, you know, a week later, we're sitting here and preparing for a game. So things move very quickly in, in the current landscape. But um, as part of the show this week, we do have a poll question that we wanted to lead with off the top. Technology. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very exciting stuff. Um, <laughs> the question that for this week is who gives Toronto FC more trouble in this inter-Canadian matchup? Is that the Montreal Impact or the Vancouver Whitecaps? Um, quickly before we get Aaron on, guys, uh, I guess we'll start with you, Michael. Who's, mm-hmm. you, who's your uh, troublemaker for Toronto FC? Um, troublemaker for Toronto FC is Vancouver Whitecaps for me. Uh, at MLS is back. We saw kind of what the team can do without a lot of their players. But now you insert the likes of, let's say, just a Lucas Cavallini, for example, who Vanny talked about a lot leading up to the game, uh, on top of what they already showed in, at MLS's back. And, you know, this is a, this is a side that can, that can cause troubles for Toronto FC, I think. And TFC shouldn't be comfortable getting into this match. I, I'm going to take the opposite perspective and, and pick Montreal. I mean, for reasons that we all know by heart. One, it's Montreal and, and the games are always a... Uh, chaos, but Thierry Henry's got a lot to prove, and uh, there's been a lot of shakeups internationally in terms of coaches losing their jobs, and uh, is his name's been bandied about. Um, I don't know how realistic that is, considering his coaching experience is now uh, two teams uh, with with not a lot of tactical news to them. But uh, his name's bandied about regardless, so he's in the shop window for better or worse, and uh, he's got something to prove. Uh, and Montreal always has something to prove, so. I'm, I'm going to go with Montreal. It sucks that I wasn't able to vote in that pool, but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. It, it said uh, host can't vote yeah, in the poll, yeah, but big, uh, if, yeah. if I did have a vote, I think I'm with Michael on this. I think I think oh. the Vancouver Whitecaps, from what I've seen over the MLS's back tournament and what we saw before, I mean, um, this is a team where we didn't even see all of their pieces. They were still able to, to at least be very difficult to play against at the MLS's back tournament. So I think they come here with maybe – the most approve of, of all these clubs considering, you know, what they've been dragged through as an organization or what they've dragged themselves through yeah, yeah. as an organization over, um, you know, the past, uh, the past year or so. Um, I, I guess quickly, we, we should probably explain the, the format and what's happening over the next little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or as we just kind of dived into it there, but uh, if you haven't heard, the MLS returns to Canada plans. Uh, all Canadian MLS teams will play each other three times over the next few weeks. Um, they'll stretch into early September. And uh, the the big, I guess, carrot at the end of the stick is that the top Canadian team from that inter-Canadian tournament will, of course, advance straight to the Voyagers Cup final. 
they'll play against the winner of the Canadian Premier League Island Games. Um, so right there, that's your Voyager's Cup for this year. Uh, Jeff, let's get your thoughts on, on that, the, the format. I have given up trying to understand 2020. I'm happy that there's <laughs> soccer. Um, you know, Twitter's going to be fun. When is it not fun? I still can't believe that app is free. But uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. There are bigger brains than I trying to deduce um, what the hell is happening with CONCACAF League versus CONCACAF Champions League berths. Um, and no answers have been satisfactory. I know uh, Dave Clanahan uh, came on during his announcement and uh, he said that uh, his league was basically getting all the spots, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll end how I open. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I just know that a ball is going to get kicked somewhere and that a team is going to win something. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you know, 2020, I'm just happy to see soccer again. So the fact that we're, we're going to have a decision on the Canadian championship, I mean, is it the most ideal decision? No, obviously not. We'd be, rather it be how it how it usually is but i mean i'm, I'm happy to see soccer again I, yeah. I i'll just leave it at that you know I, it works it works we're gonna have we're gonna have a canadian championship decided absolutely yeah i think for me under the circumstances i think it, it makes a lot of sense and it would have been just so tough with the crazy mls schedule i'm trying to piece together a season what campl is doing for them to have any sort of extended tournament i think even if it was you know, one week in, in a bubble somewhere. I think just collaborating all of that would have been too difficult. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at this point, I think this makes the most sense. And the one thing I, I do kind of like about it is, you know, it kind of elevates Canadian Premier League to really looking like the D1 league, right? When when the formats of, of past years, it always um, emphasized the MLS teams. And, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily what they should be doing because, Again, both of these are D1 leagues. We we know the Canadian Premier League's new and it doesn't, you know, the teams aren't necessarily as talented, but they did play the MLS teams very close. In fact, of course, Calgary famously beating Vancouver mm -hmm. Cavalry. I, I don't yeah, want to get yeah, Larson yeah. on there. Sorry about <laughs> that, everybody. Um, <laughs> of course, famously beating the Vancouver Whitecaps. So that's, that's the one wrinkle I really liked about it was um, the, the fact that it does put the Canadian Premier League on the exact same footing as, you know, the, the MLS leader from Canada. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still getting over our capitulation to not getting that CONCACAF uh, spot in MLS's back tournament. And I have a really bad feeling that this is going to be Forge versus TFC in the final. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my bone was with it. Yeah, that would, uh, that would definitely be uh be quite interesting especially for um you know for for so many of the people who are both forge and toronto fc fans um which i think there there is a fair amount um we'll have aaron on in, in just a moment here it looks like but um just uh going into today's game of course it, it is a game day we talked a little bit about the vancouver whitecaps um what do you expect from toronto fc over this next couple or this next little stretch because again they are quick and fast games you're playing two in the space of you know one week, um, not a long gap between the two games. You know, do do you think we see more rotation than we saw down in Orlando? Same, uh, same kind of you know trying to get the trying to get a main eleven working together. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I, th I think we we do see, um, or at least to start, we're going to see Josie back up top. 
Um, so that that's a positive, I guess. You can look at it that way. Um, but we will try and – or we, we're hoping that Vane is going to try and have some sort of continuity at this tournament. Um, we learned that squad rotation is key, but Vanny did factor the weather into all of that. Um, he did say now that it's more ideal conditions, 23 degree weather, that we're actually going to see a better version of Toronto City this time around. And one of the things that he specifically talked about was Toronto City's ability to press. He said that in the Florida heat, you know, TFC kind of ran out of energy, kind of ran out of their legs, kind of in maybe the 65th, 70th minute. And here under 23 degree conditions, he doesn't expect that to be an issue. So he's expecting both sides, you know, put, put forth a quality product. And I think the goal is always to come away three points. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, it's been how many weeks, how many Sundays has it been? Two, three, I don't, what, what's a Sunday, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'd be, I'd be happy with a, with a performance uh, akin to the opening match of the, of the Disney tournament versus DC United uh, without the capitulation at the end. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it looks like our guest is now here. We're now joined by Aaron Papernick, host of Canada FC on Sirius XM 167. Aaron, love, love the Argentina strip. Uh, Background too. Uh, Wow. uh, Thank you. Argentina. Argentina's trip uh, in honor of our boy Messi. He's going through some tough times right now. Who knows what's going to happen in the near future. Uh, The background, courtesy of my wife's wallpaper company, Find a Dandy Company. Plugs, plugs, plugs. (laughs) Cross promotion. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, wow. Uh, Yeah, poor Messi. I mean, uh, we don't have to dwell too much on that. But certainly certainly one of the results heard around the world, and we'll be talking about that for years to come. But um, I did uh, want to get your thoughts right off the top. We were talking about it uh, on the Voyager's Cup format and and the MLS Returns uh, format and, you know, all of the the things that just kind of got news dumped on, uh, I think it was Wednesday last week. Uh, yeah, the Voyager's Cup format, I mean, it, it, nothing is going to be perfect. Uh, everything is, there's going to be compromises one way or another. Um, one compromise, like one loss is the bracket system, obviously, uh, like last year, as you were talking about, uh, some great battles, York 9 versus Montreal Impact, Calvary versus uh, Whitecaps, Calvary moving on to face Impact, great battles there. But of course, the final last year ended up being MLS versus MLS, uh, Toronto versus Montreal. So the, the compromises, you lose battles along the way since it's only like a one match. It's a finalist versus finalist, but you, we gain the confirmation that it'll be a CPL versus MLS team. And, and not that like we saw last year where it was, it was in early rounds and then it just went away. So uh, yeah, whether it is Forge versus TFC, whether it's whoever versus whoever, I'm looking forward to that aspect of it that we're guaranteed a uh, CPL versus MLS team. And look, not only are there Canadians on uh, all of, obviously all over Canadian Premier League rosters uh, fighting for respect and survival, but there's tons of Canadians who are from MLS farm systems, uh, WFC2, TFC2, FC Montreal when it existed. Who knows which of those players are going to reach that final and have that extra chip on their shoulder, not just the glory, not just CPL versus MLS, but possibly sticking it to their uh, former organization. Yeah, Aaron, what I want to know, what's, what's the gap between a CPL team and a, you know, an MLS team? Is that final going to be very one-sided? And you know, is it really going to live up to the expectations of a final? 
In terms of, I don't know if you can make a blanket statement about the gap, as we saw last year, some CPL teams hung in with MLS teams very well. And as we said, Calvary managed to best, best an MLS team. So I don't know if we can make a blanket statement. I wonder how much fitness and regularity of play is going to play into things also. Uh, CPL on the island, playing the island games, a bunch of games in a short period of time after a long layoff, that will probably benefit those players. Uh, the three Canadian teams in the MLS that played in the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, they're now coming on a month off. A month. Now, I know they've had training. I know there's been training protocols uh, with uh, COVID-19 preparations for all three Canadian MLS clubs, but it's been a month without action. And, uh, and I think that once they get the ball rolling, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> the three Canadian MLS clubs play each other. They're playing fairly fast and furious, yes, but I feel like the CPL teams may have a better runway of, of consistent action leading up to that final uh, Canadian championship date. Yeah, the Toronto FC players, of course, had well, all of them had to quarantine as well for 14 days. So that's not really ideal in the what would be kind of the middle of the season either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we're not going to talk about beer right now. We're going to talk about soccer. But uh, do you think this year we're going to see a phase two-ish where uh, the Canadian MLS teams go and play in market in the United States? If you had to look in your crystal ball. <laughs> Um, I feel like the league would want to make that happen, but I feel like the teams, the three Canadian teams would not want to make that happen. And we know that uh, Toronto FC is a, a big club in the league. They throw their weight around and their money around and their wallets around and a bigger club, if you want to use that metric than uh, Montreal or Vancouver, but Toronto FC threw their weight around on the date they went down to Orlando, what date to play, uh, things like that. Um, and, and I, but they do have marquee players and marquee stars and the U S national team stars and uh, Josie mm -hmm. Althor and Michael Bradley. And uh, you have uh, Americans who want to see Thierry Henry, even though he's on the sidelines with Montreal and not in a kit. So I feel like the league is going to want to make it happen, but I feel like the teams are going to band together to not make it happen. I don't know who has the power in that relationship and who will have the ultimate uh, say. But that's why I feel like we're coming to a bit of a stalemate on that respect. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I absolutely agree with you. This seems like a stopgap measure. It's going to cross a few things off a checklist. But, you know, come a month or so down the road, we're still going to be at, a, at another impasse. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's very much a wait and see approach, you know, knock on wood that the, that the pandemic situation is sort of uh, abated a little bit so that uh, it's, it's even something that's worth discussing. But, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that sentiment. Yeah. Aaron, could you, uh, could you sort of catch us up on the other two Canadian teams and kind of what their, uh, I guess, mentality is coming into this sort of Canadian championship? It's, it, it's interesting for both sides. I'm sure we're going to talk more about Vancouver in a little while uh, over the course of the show. Vancouver Whitecaps, a bit of a dark horse coming into this mini Canadian MLS's tournament because, as you remember, they did reach the first knockout match uh, in MLS's back in Orlando, but they did not have three strikers. They did not bring Tosin Ricketts, Freddie Montero, uh, and... Um, uh, Lucas Cavallini, of course, Canadian international, <laughs> down to Orlando. So they managed to make it there without three high-powered strikers. They did use their backup goalkeeper, Thomas Hassal, who acquitted uh, himself very well. I expect to see him in goal. So once they have the emotional boost of making it to the knockout round and then coming back to Vancouver and integrating those offensive players, I think that they could be a real dark horse here. Again, a month off from action. Rest versus rust. Does that help the team and help them rest up and, and uh, heal those little annoying injuries? Or does that make them rusty and complacent? Uh, Montreal Impact are an, an odd bird this year. They're an odd... They've been... 
I call them the still rebuilding Montreal impact. And it's, it's August. If you remember that the league started in March and Montreal started in February in CCL, they're still alive in CCL, by the way, if, and when that resumes, uh, they are down on aggregate, but they're still alive. If we do see a CCL in 2020. So they played CCL matches, MLS matches, and then four matches in MLS is back. And there's still so much tinkering going on down in Orlando. I still don't quite know what kind of team uh, and how Terry Henry is going to put them together. Uh, we know what kind of player he was as a player, obviously, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they have the firepower to be an all-out creative Terry Henry type offensive team. Um, they, and that's what I, I wonder again, a month off and uh, almost every match down in Orlando had a different lineup from Terry Henry. So mm-hmm. after a month, has he settled on his lineup or is he going to tinker two games a week uh, for the next few weeks coming up from Montreal? Are we going to see a different team every match again? That's why they're kind of a dark horse. I know the emotions are there when they meet up with Toronto in these upcoming games and then the emotion will be there anyways for when they play Vancouver because these matches matter for the standings. They matter for who's going to reach the Canadian championship. I just still, we are familiar with a lot of the pieces on Montreal, but I still don't know how they fit together completely as a team this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, to switch it up, uh, uh, just going back to, when do you think they're going to invite fans back to uh, our church on the lake shore? <laughs> Um, it, I'm, a, I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, I've seen what happened in the U.S. down at Dallas did not look good. But on the other hand, in Ontario, uh, I don't know if this is a valid comparison or not. We have movie theaters open. Mm-hmm. So movie theaters are open. They're operating. Uh, those are big open spaces. They're not open air like a stadium. They're enclosed, but the auditoriums are very big. Mm-hmm. and you have to buy your ticket in advance and only two people maximum could sit together and there's a gap of about five ten seats between each two-person grouping so part of me thinks if that can work at a movie theater why couldn't it work at a sports stadium sports stadium at 20,000 and change seats 25,000 30,000 no movie theater has that amount of seats mm-hmm. stadiums are open air and are being told every day that being outdoors unenclosed is better than being enclosed if movie theaters can do it why can't a stadium do it I do know of course uh, especially at uh, Toronto FC's BMO Field, the stadium I know the best, there's certain hallways and concourses where it can be hard to distance people mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. from each other. Maybe if uh, people are told you can only enter a certain gate and there are staff there trying to distance people, maybe that can work. But again, I don't think many people are going to the movie theaters, but they are legally open and operating. So if that can happen, why couldn't a sports stadium happen? So let, let, would you go? I would go. I, yeah. I would go. Even I think it's going to be odd. It's been eerie. I know sometimes going into certain restaurants or establishments with your mask, it kind of feels uh, normal on one hand, but also kind of eerie on the other hand. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it would be an interesting experience, interesting footnote uh, as a fan. Um, I was at the CCL game at BMO Field about 2010 or 11. They got rained out by a hurricane and then was a rescheduled the next morning for 10 a.m. Yeah, and I think yeah. only about two or 3,000 people came because it was in the middle of the workday. That's a story. That's a story yeah, for yeah, the yeah. people who went. So um, based on one's own comfort with the regulations they choose to put into place, I would go. I would mm-hmm. do it. How about you, Mitch? Mike, would you go? I'm just remembering a time when 10 a.m. games were weird. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would be there for sure. Uh, I'm going to be fortunate enough to, you know, be in, in the press box tonight. Um, oh, nice. yeah, very, very limited. Um, but it's, I, I'm, I'm just excited to return to BMO field. You know, I, I would do anything to be there. And I, I, during the summer, you know, during this lockdown, I've taken walks to BMO field just, just to get that vibe back. So it, yeah. I love it there and I'll, yeah, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Hmm. I think Jeff I was unbelievably well. jealous right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's next on the questions? 
Yeah, I guess uh, I have two questions here, but um, we haven't talked really too much about the Canadian Premier League Island game so far. Um, what have been your thoughts of, you know, the level of competition and, and I guess the product the league's put on so far? Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, uh, again uh, compromises, you know, it's not perfect. And again, rust, I think, was evident uh, in a lot of the players in the first game, first maybe game or two, some of the teams have played two games. But uh, pretty impressive, impressive with the, I'm impressed with the uh, video um, display of the games, with the games, the way the games are put together. And again, it's it, a year of compromises. Nothing's going to look the same way it was. Nothing's going to be the same way it was. Players, leagues around the world have told us they feed off the cheers and boos, so it's not the same. Uh, when there's when the stadium is empty, <laughs> yes, their their teammates are cheering them. It's not the same. Some players thrive upon being booed by twenty thousand fans, but mm-hmm. uh, depending on the player, I mean, it's also so. Uh, I'm I feel uh, I, I feel the Canadian Premier League is doing the right thing, doing the best thing. This this is their second year of existence. It could have almost derailed the whole operation yep. before it almost got mm-hmm. off the ground. So to put this tournament together, to have the teams buy in, to have uh, fans watching, uh, nationwide fans watching on One Soccer, I've been seeing uh, a little bit of buzz from uh, curious Americans on Twitter tuning in on One Soccer. Good on the league, good on them. Um, and, and the players that are coming back for their second year, they, they know what it's all about. There's been some rivalries there, there's been bonding there. Um, so I think it's been as great as it can be given the circumstances. Yeah, I haven't confirmed it, but I don't think they're watching it in the States on One Soccer. I think it actually got uh, FS1, so mm. uh, down on the cable uh-huh. dial. It was, it was a piggyback of the One Soccer broadcast. They're obviously not going to mm-hmm. rebroadcast the thing, but, but I do think it, it aired on FS1, which points to uh, future collaborations between uh, Canadian broadcast uh, uh, over-the-top services and American terrestrial networks, which can only be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think in general, it's just been a, it's been a great thing for the Canadian Premier League. Um, you talk about the Canadian, the Canadian Championship again, seeing a Canadian Premier League in the final. Um, and now we talk about potentially, you know, having some viewership on FS1, um, them being able to put together a season ultimately in, in, in Canada after what we saw with the CFL. Um, it, it's been, it's been nothing but, but great for Canadian soccer, I guess. And, I think that's that's just my biggest takeaway from this all is that they kept going and they put together something that didn't, you know, detract them after their first positive year. That it's still kind of going uphill. So it, it, it's a positive for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think they I think they would have been auctioning off their validity had they had they canceled the the second year mm-hmm. outright. So I'm I'm pretty happy that they got something together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, unless there's any audience questions, I don't know if you can, wouldn't mind checking quickly for those, Jeff. Um, before I let you go, Aaron, I wanted to, uh, I guess, ask you, you know, I mentioned it off the top. It really seems like it's a time right now where there's so much momentum for Canadian soccer. You know, we've got the Canadian Premier League coming back. There's this MLS um, inter-team tournament, of course. And, and you know, the, we've got Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David making all kinds of headlines over in Europe and other guys going over there as well. Uh, what, what's, what are kind of the keys to keeping up that momentum right now and making sure that, you know, th- this continues to build towards something, um, you know, really tangible on the worldwide soccer? I, I think, uh, again, with this, uh, with COVID-19 interrupting everything in life, we're, we're going to see the dividends in uh, uh, Canadian men's national team, World Cup qualifying, uh, Nations League, when and however that resumes, and then the Olympic level U23s, U21s, whenever and however that resumes. Uh, that's... 
not been mentioned a lot considering you know all the soccer going on around us and clubs mm -hmm. uh, and league soccer is back but that's where i think we'll see the dividends and uh we can only wait and see how they're going to be rescheduled and in what formats we know there's been a format change for world cup qualifying which hopefully will benefit canada that's where that's where i think we'll see it uh really is see um Again, I'm hoping to see more Canadian Premier League players on the men's national team, even if they are just on the bench. I'm hoping to see so many, so much youth in the Canadian Premier League, hoping to see them show up for Olympic qualifying or mm. U20 uh, CONCACAF tournaments, U21 World Cups, whatever. That's what I want to see resume in addition to everything else. And that's where I think we're going to see uh, what is the real development of Canadian soccer. Do you think uh, that Jay Dave and, and Fonzie opened the floodgates a little bit? I mean, I, I, I remember reading on Twitter... Uh, that Barcelona uh, was offered Fonzie. And, mm. uh, you know, the, uh, I can't remember the, the outgoing president's name, but he said, nah, Canadian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there have been a few articles since then. Uh, J. Sam Jones did one on the MLS mothership where he was talking about a sea change where, where players uh, in, in a development pipeline in the MLS, he was specific to MLS, but I would open it up to North America and perhaps even the CPL that we're going to get more eyeballs now. And I don't necessarily even think that's a consequence of COVID. I think that may, may be a consequence of, of Fonzie and, and Jonathan David uh, uh, making all these headways. I think so. I think that some of the uh, top Canadian talent to maybe put on the Maple Leaf for the men's national team. You think of a, a, a Scotty Arfield, who was a mm -hmm. dual national who uh, signed with Canada. You even think of a Lucas Cavallini, I believe, took a, did he take some time to uh, put on the Maple Leaf and was kind of on the fence for a while, if I recall. I may be incorrect yeah. there. Um, no, you so, don't, say, don't say Owen Hargraves, though. <laughs> I was not going to say that name, <laughs> leaving that out for now. So uh, the change from those type of players to homegrown players who uh, developed in Canada and developed in MLS of course, Jonathan David did not, but Fonzie did. And hopefully we'll see greater things for Tristan Borges and Emilio Estevez in Europe also developed through CPL as well. Um, I, I think that is a bit of a change. And I, and I hope that uh, that's in the right circumstances, Canadian players become part of a selling league system, part of being sold from MLS or CPL. Do you see that as the natural progression of MLS from a, from a buying league to a selling league? I don't because it's still... In a sense, I don't want to get in trouble. America's League for America's fans, in a large mm -hmm. sense. Right, uh, right. And so it's America's League for America's fans and for America's best players, in a sense. Lots of asterisks there. Uh, if you want to attack me on Twitter, go for it. I can take it. Uh, mm -hmm. I see maybe uh, the CPL as being Canada's League for Canadian development, but also a valid pipeline for being a sell Look, selling leagues is not a slander. Not a slander on the Belgian League, mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. a slander on the Dutch League, not a slander on the Portuguese League. Development leagues can be a feather in the cap. This is the team that developed so-and-so. This is a league that groomed so-and-so. Uh, I think that should be a, a byproduct, two tracks for CPL, uh, Canadian men's national team talent, and selling league. So I'm going to, you, you just, you, I'm fascinated by this. So would you say that um, MLS is operating on two different principles right now? One trying to be a development league and the other one trying to be the league of choice? Or would you say that, that, they're they're kind of all on board with that schematic of the of the sellers league now it's it's i mean of course we watch mls we're talking about canadian mls clubs but i still mm -hmm. feel at times and i hope uh, i don't get into hall i still feel like we're passengers canadian passengers on an american train and absolutely, that, absolutely. And I mean, that, the domestic role for players, it's completely, mm -hmm. it, you know, it's ridiculous at this point. But, yeah, uh, to say the least. And then yeah. the, the fanfare when an American player comes back, like uh, Clint Dempsey coming back or Alejandro uh, Bedoya coming back or players coming back. It's, it's huge for them. Um, 
But, you know, the league does when Fonzie does something good in Germany from the league social media accounts, they do keep bringing up his, his uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. white caps uh, clips. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of both. It's kind of neither and both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a, you know, we, we live in a 24 hour news cycle. So they're still mm-hmm. talking about Zlatan on the MLS mothership, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, anybody that drove by the MLS head offices and had a coffee is going to get a mention. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily knock them for that because the, the, the need for content is so pervasive. You just have to be a bit proactive about it. Like I, I can definitely see where people would raise issue with it. But to me, I just, my margins are a bit, a bit higher in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know we talked about this last week and, and Mitch has it on the, uh, Mitch has it on the rundown for today, but I, I think we should open it up now. Uh, you know, the news of the Academy uh, possibly losing Pellegrino and Perusa. And, and last week we were discussing, uh, you know, Toronto's difficulty with playing the kids. And, uh, and Mitch uh, alluded to it being kind of a, uh, an MLS problem uh, with, with a hard salary cap, et cetera, et cetera. But I've been thinking about that all week. And, and even in the big leagues in Europe, there, we, there, are, there are tons of examples of people coming up through the youth system or the academy system and fizzling out. I mean, Mo Salah at Chelsea comes to mind. Uh, so do you think that this is like the Achilles heel of MLS, the, the, the sort of disconnect between academies and the first team? And we can be specific to TFC. I'm sure we're going to get into that. <laughs> later, but. Um, looking at it from TFC's perspective, I think it's the Achilles heel of being a big club with, with deep pockets, with deep pocketed mm-hmm. owners, that there are times where you are never, you never have to pinch your pennies and so you never have to not sign a player and play a kid. You don't have to. You can sign. I know it's a cap league. I get it. You can yeah. sign whatever player you want for whatever deal you want, for whatever Tam or Gam you want. You can do whatever. You're a big dog in this league with big wallets. Uh, and I think that that may take away chances from youngsters to play. And I look at uh, quotes from um, young uh, Ija Halley, uh, who was part of the Toronto FC system, who joined York 9 in the Canadian Premier League. Mm-hmm. He said uh, very politely, and I'll paraphrase him, he said he felt like he reached a, a, a ceiling there. Maybe he was stagnating, and he thanked them for the soccer training and life training they gave him, but he felt like he might not be able to go anywhere, despite being a GTA kid on the hometown club, might not have felt there was a, a pathway for him to the first team. So, and he said this to the media, this was on the CPL website. And mm-hmm. so now he's part of York nine and the CPL where uh, also the pro youth minutes re- ruling is going to give him more chance to play. I think that it, it's Toronto's problem. And again, the, I wonder if we're going to see a change in the future. Once this current team, this core ages out, maybe mm-hmm. we'll see a bit of a change wholesale in the off season. Maybe we'll see a bit piece in, piece out, a piece in, piece out. Uh, that's why I wonder if that's coming down the road from uh, Ali Curtis, uh, because I know mm-hmm. that he was a fairly pro-youth GM yeah, with the Red, his, with the Red Bull. Yeah, that's his MO, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has mentioned to the media recently that he's kind of standing pat for right now. So, uh, but if he's pro-youth, uh, I wonder if it's a thorn in his side to see, you know, these players leaving, players joining CPL, players joining other leagues, who knows? But I just wonder if that's, uh, one of Toronto's problems, they can throw money at a problem whenever they want to. Vancouver, mm-hmm. Montreal, possibly not so much. Well, I mean, look, Barcelona, like they, they might end up paying Liverpool 5 million euros because their loan player is going to beat them in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, it, 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 uh, uh, yeah, I, like personally, uh, you know, when, when uh, Mark Anthony Kay was doing the rounds and he had a personal accountability, he was willing to, and to own up to the fact that maybe he wasn't ready to be a first team player before 
TFC released them. And, and I'm seeing a lot of the, the former uh, TFC players that have kind of moved to the CPL, like Ryan Telfer was a little bit, a little bit lippy to TFC in a, in an interview that I saw at one soccer, you know, Rob Gale, when uh, was it, was, what was he talking? He was talking about Julian Dunn and he said, this guy mm -hmm. deserves MLS minutes. I mean, it's all, it's all wonderful quotes and good copy. Uh, but I, I just don't know if it's necessarily always TFC's fault, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on this as well in a second, but um, I think largely this probably is a positive thing for Toronto FC. We're seeing, you know, and Canadian soccer as well, that we're seeing such a collective group of youth players that get brought up in a very good system at, you know, a top of the line Academy. And then there, there really are only 11 spots on the field. So as much as, you know, we want to see all of these guys succeed and make it with Toronto FC. It's not always going to happen. So seeing a guy from your academy go off to a Bundesliga club, you know, that that's a positive in terms of what you're doing development-wise, I think. And we weren't seeing that, um, you know, we weren't seeing that in prior years. And I, I do think, you know, the, the Ali Curtis thing is interesting because I do think there might be a bit of a disconnect between the players that Greg Vanny likes to play and, you know, the kind of the youth movement that Ali Curtis wants to institute with Toronto FC. I, I know Vanny tends to lean towards veterans. It's not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not always the case. We've seen him put some guys, young guys in, but he tends to lead towards veterans. Whereas Curtis has that track record of, of wanting to play the, you know, the older players, but uh, that, that'll be something yeah, that'll be interesting going forward. Cause I think if you keep, um, you know, doing what Aaron said, keep bringing in, you know, just opening the checkbook. I think you every once in a while hit a season like 2018, where, you know, you just sign the wrong guys and all of a sudden you just can't get it together and, and things fall apart like that. So I think, you know, integrating the young guys as well has to be seen as a priority for this team. Mike, though, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have, I have quite quite a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Mitch. We're, we're at a golden age almost where uh, Toronto FC prospects are coming left, right, and center. Um, we saw TFC make an abundance of homegrown signings this just this offseason. Um, I think they had the most homegrown signings in the league, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, so losing a player like Pellegrino, it, it's going to hurt. But knowing they have the likes of Jaquil Marshall-Ruti, Jaden Nelson, and you know just Rocco Romeo rounding out the third homegrown player signing this summer, um, or this, this January, it's just, it's a, it's a great thing for Toronto FC. To, it's a great problem for Toronto FC to have. You're inevitably, like Mitch said, you only have 11 spots on the field. You're inevitably going to lose players. Um, you're not going to be able to keep every player. And obviously losing a player like Pellegrino does hurt. Um, it does sting, but at the same time, you're also are getting yourself kind of on the map. That kid came from Toronto FC, as sort of Aaron pointed out, alluded to, like alluded to earlier in the show. Is mm -hmm. you know the, these kids are coming through the academy, and um, I think they are destined. Canadian kids are destined for greater things than MLS. So uh, it, it's positive, yeah. Neat. Yeah, definitely a discussion that will continue much of this season. I think this this season might be a bit of a boiling boiling point for the young guys versus veterans uh, debate, as it has been. Hey, so we got far. that poll. Remember, we got poll number two, which which segues perfectly from what you just said. What is poll question number two? I don't know. Uh, oh, there we go. Yeah, oh, yeah. Will Michael Bradley play 90 minutes <laughs> Technology. this week? Mm. So yeah, there you go. That's a that's an interesting uh, question that. 
Uh, certainly, we've asked almost every week on this show. Yeah, and I can't, so far. I we can't are, vote on it. So yeah, we are the Michael Bradley minutes tracker podcast <laughs> at, at this point. But um, Aaron, uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on this week. Uh, yeah, it's been freaking great having you on. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. To thanks, see you, Aaron. Man. Absolutely. Cheers, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again to Aaron Papernick, host of Canada FC um, on Sirius XM 167. Before we wrap up, guys, I just quickly wanted to talk about, of course, our boy. He feels like our son almost at this point, at least Canada's son, Alfonso mm. Davies. Fonzie. Just Fonzie. going off in, uh, just going off in um, you know, the, the Champions League quarterfinals as well as before as before as we gotta we should give some lip service to the to the technology pool and it looks like 100 percent right. of responders uh said that michael bradley's gonna pay a all 90 minutes for both games so surprise i think i think that's a safe bet to be honest <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah alfonso davies obviously i mean it was an 8-2 game you know like it's not like alfonso davies was was a make or break player in that game but i mean that's that's a moment that you know i Certainly didn't expect. I, I knew we could potentially see that from, from Alfonso Davies when he left the Vancouver Whitecaps, but I don't think anyone expected to see something like that happen so soon, did they, Michael? Man, I can't believe we're, we're, we're actually watching a player play for Bayern Munich against Barcelona, and he's Canadian, and he's excelling, and he's being the difference maker in this game. If you were to told me that, two years ago, three years ago, I would have told you you were crazy because yeah. mm-hmm. there was no one that was really – like Fonzie was on the radar and he was he was supposed to be great, but was he ever supposed to be this good this quickly? Like, come on. And what he's, <laughs> doing, for, what he's doing for Canada soccer, um, it gets me so excited just thinking about the next generation of Canadian soccer players that are going to come through knowing that they have him to look up to. Yeah, I've I've watched that replay about seventeen billion times at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and I'm and I'm still I still love every damn second of it. I mean I've I've seen the BT sport commentary. Sensational, sensational. Since I've seen it in French, I've seen it in German, uh, you know, and uh uh wow. Just wow. I mean I was jumping up and down. I, I, I hope no one was walking by my apartment because they thought I might have been having a stroke because I was I I lost my mind and, and uh you know he willed that goal into existence. That was phenomenal. Like just left Messi and Vidal in his dust, you know, like clown tomato, and then of course PK falling over at the end. Like he just you know, I've seen Messi do that to other teams. That's that's the fun part. Like I've been mm-hmm. at Camp Nou and I've I've seen Messi do that to Hitafe. I did not expect Fonzie to do that to, to Barcelona uh, so quickly. Like it, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. That, that is a heritage moment for sure. I mean, yeah. that, that's something that, you know, uh, will be in the highlight reel of Can Sock from this point onward without question. Yeah, and the goal was just icing on the cake, and I feel like it was so fitting because just with everything that Fonzie's done, everything building up to this kind of moment and, you know, talking about before the game how Messi was his hero or one of his heroes growing up, his childhood, mm-hmm. you know, this is the guy he he watched. Um, it just – it was poetic, was it not? It, mm-hmm. it couldn't have really mm-hmm. come up with a kind of a better um, – I guess, yeah, again, icing on the cake there. Um well, he got he got the yellow right and mm-hmm. then he mm-hmm. got the the knock in the head 
and then maybe a minute later he did that run. Was that the correct order of things, or did was it? Am I flipping it? Did he get? I think the knock uh, was after the uh, after after the, goal, the yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's why. Yeah, that's why he was taken off. I think. Um, but yeah, I was just gonna say on top of the goal, what I was really impressed with was just his overall performance in that match. Um, again, we didn't really see too much of Messi Fonzie one v one as we were hyping up down that right wing because Messi sort of dropped off, and maybe it's because he was scared to run at Fonzie with Fonzie's legs. Um, he couldn't maybe get in, get him behind Fonzie, so we decided to sort of play in front of him. Um, and you know, it just he creates a he creates a legitimate threat for a club like Barcelona to kind of play around, and mm -hmm. it, it's it's. It's yeah, I'm I'm it's mind boggling. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, yeah, really, 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 yeah. I really so, am. <laughs> it's, so, it's so unbelievably fantastic. Like it's just it it's not even fair. It's not yeah. fair. Like you know, I spent how I mean, were you all on on Twitter afterwards just watching everybody like lose their absolute ever loving minds? Like it was just yeah, incredible. Like, you know, it's still crazy seeing like Marcelo comment yep. on his yeah, on yeah. his like Wild. Instagram. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then didn't Andy Robertson comment on Marcello's comment or, or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Like it was just like a pile on of all the best left backs in the world, just giving <laughs> each other, giving each other handshakes and and, and, and Fonzie's the guy, man. And yeah, Fonzie's yeah, I know. The guy. <laughs> Everyone knows. Everyone's trying to catch on the wave that Fonzie is is the next thing, man. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean yeah. generational talent. Like it's getting bandied around like candy out there in the interwebs. It's 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 so good to see it. It really, really is. And then that's, you know, J J Dave. Jay Dave scores a scores a nice little uh, tap in on his uh, on his mm -hmm. preseason debut. That's not bad. I was gonna say the best part is just seeing how uh, how jealous some of these U.S. fans are getting because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're prodigy and yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's ours. Fonzie no. stole the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. They they love to mention that Jonathan David's from Brooklyn. Every every second they get that opportunity, it's like oh, Brooklyn boy, Jonathan <laughs> yeah. David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That Are we going to talk about uh, Victor Vasquez going back to Belgium? Has oh, we could quickly, confirmed? yeah, just to, to wrap up. Is that up official? Here, yeah. yeah, I think it's official. Yeah. And, and uh, he's gone to... a picture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have an anecdote. Upin is the one town that I was desperate to visit on my honeymoon in Belgium. But hmm. it's right, it's right, well, because it's the German capital of Belgium. Uh, and it's right at the uh, furthest eastern part. So my wife and I, we took a train and we got off the train and then... We, we, we sort of went the wrong way and ended up trapped in a like mini mall. And so we never actually got to see Yupin because by the time we figured our way out of the mini mall, we were like, ah, oh, forget it. The train's leaving. Let's just go back to Brussels. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a nice place, but I actually didn't get to see it properly. So. That's Jeff's connection to Victor Vasquez right there. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, yeah, I mean, everybody knew who he was. Uh, you know, Uber drivers in Antwerp knew who he was because of his, uh, his playing time with Club Bruges. So uh, that's no, a that's a great point yeah yeah no um, i mentioned tfc and, and my cab driver was like oh, oh victor vasquez plays for you guys and i was like no he used to play for us but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i remember when he was on footy talks uh, a little bit earlier and he said he wanted to come to toronto and all of this and never, all of tfc live blew up and like, mm -hmm. signed victor vasquez now and alec curtis had to come on to kind of set the record straight um it's good to see him land somewhere because he's he wanted to continue playing and he was, mm -hmm. he was too good to end his career on that sort of kind of down note there. Um, so we'll, we'll see how we'll keep an eye on, on Victor Vasquez. We'll see how he does. And I want to see 
if this sort of translates into his future coaching role, which I think we're all keeping an eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, give him all the money, just wherever he wants to live in the city, we buy the apartment, give him all the money. We we know Greg Vanny is a very, (laughs) very big advocate for Victor Vasquez. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him for sure. It's great to see him land somewhere though. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's a a, a great way. Oh, we got another poll. We got an ending poll. Yeah. 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 Uh, which club will give TFC more trouble? Didn't we do that already? There you go. I think we did off the top. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at any rate, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the show there. I guess a, a parting shot reminder to, to Michael that uh, his Manchester United could have had Alfonso Davis for 2 million. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I feel like I had to get that in there since, considering we were talking about the teams that, that <laughs> Alfonso could have gone to. But of course, uh, a big thanks to Aaron Paper, Nick, for coming on the show. Uh, be sure to check out Canada FC on Sirius XM mm-hmm. 167. Um, you know, as, as you can see, he's got a good rounded knowledge of Canadian soccer. Uh, Jeff and Mike, good stuff. Thanks as always. And uh, make sure to check out Footy Talks, a lot of more upcoming shows. And of course, visit Waking the Red. We'll have all your game day content today and reaction to tonight's game between Toronto FC and the Vancouver Whitecaps. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>